Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in to the New Birth Podcast. There's a word of hope for you today and we are excited for what God is doing here at New Birth. For more information, visit our website, nbplaceofhope.com. Now for the message by our senior pastor, Gabby Mejia. Today we're going to share a new series entitled, Who is Jesus? And um, it's one of those questions that is kind of hard and difficult to, to try to answer simply because uh, there's a dichotomy when it comes to Jesus. Jesus isn't just a human. When we talk about Jesus, we know that Jesus, uh, those, those that, that know a little bit about theology, there's this thing called Christology. And Christology is the union between Jesus the man and Jesus God. So when, when we try to answer this question, who is Jesus, it, it, it's one of those questions that really don't have an answer because God is all-knowing, omniscient, omnipotent. He's everything and everywhere at the same time. And so it's hard to try to describe a man who is God. And it's hard to describe a God who is man. Uh, so, so our approach in addressing this question stems out of the characteristics, the traits, and the things that Jesus did throughout his time on the planet. I don't know. Jesus from an eternal standpoint because I'm not in eternity. I don't know how God, what God is doing right now. Is he twitting? Is he face? I don't know what he's doing. So because I don't know him where he is from that perspective, the only perspective of God I have is through scripture. So this series, these next four weeks, we're going to address and talk and try to answer who Jesus is based on what he did, based on how he lived, and based on what was his mission. And so it is from that approach that we're going to Scripture today. So I want to draw your attention to Mark, Gospel according to St. Mark, chapter number 1. And as you turn on your Bibles or open your Bibles, I just want to mention that I am so happy here. Uh, my brother-in-law is here and his lovely wife. As this is, some of y'all don't know uh, that Pastor Petri has a brother. Amen. And so Pastor Petri's brother is here, Brother uh, we call him Eddie. Uh, my kids call him Uncle Buck. But he's Eduardo Rodriguez and his wife. Would you please stand? Please stand. And his granddaughter is here. Look at that pretty little thing right there. Will you get up, girl? There you go. And, and you, you with him too? And he, and what's his name? What's her name? Michelle. Michelle. Everybody say, hi, Michelle. Come on. Everybody say, hi, Michelle. Michelle, get up. Isn't she beautiful? And so we are excited that my family is here. This is my family. Um, let me just give you a highlight. In July, Petri's mama is going to be here, and Petri's papa is going to be here, and we're going to have a party. My in-laws, uh, how old are they, 82, 83, 84? And some of y'all never seen Petri's parents, and so they're going to come here for the summer. We're just going to have a blast. My, fa my father-in-law is the most funniest person you've ever seen. My mom-in-law, she has the, she has the only attitude in life, like my wife. So, so, so it's just gonna be a blast. It's gonna be a blast. So I'm just so happy. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. We love you. Thank you so much for coming. Amen. Um, Mark chapter number one, the gospel according to Saint Mark. And today we're gonna talk about Jesus, and we're gonna highlight three aspects 
or categories or attributes of Christ as it pertains to Scripture. Now, this Scripture, as I was reading it, it made more sense to me reading it backwards. I don't know about you, but if you like me, when I watch movies, especially with my kids that go watch movies and they come back and and, 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 and even my wife, when she watched the movies, Channel 55, and, and you know, those, those you know, um, you watch those movies, right? And, and when they're telling me the story, I'm like, just get to, just get to the point. Just tell, tell me, did he die? Did he not make it? Did, 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 you know? and, and, and when I read Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 45, as I was reading it in sequence of order, 40, 40, 41, 42, 43, 44, 45, and I read it, I was like, wow, that's a nice story. But then I decided to read it backwards, 45, 44, 43, 42, 41. And when I read it backwards, it blew my mind. It blew my mind. It blew my mind. And so I, I'm going I'm to close the message from that point of view, reading the scripture backwards. But let's read it forward so that I don't think I'm dyslectic, okay? Um, Mark chapter 1, verse 40, 45. It reads, a man with leprosy came to him. And begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, notice, this is not a question. There's no question mark there. He's not asking him, can you please heal me? Can you please hook a brother up? No, no. This is not a question. This is a statement. He says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. If you want to do it, it's on you. Jesus was indignant. The Spanish Reina Valera version, 1990, says he was full of compassion. He was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was clean or cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely. Jesus told him, yo, Hush, between you and me, don't tell nobody, keep it on down low. But he began to go out freely and talks, spreading the news. And as a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet people still came to him for mercy. Three characteristics. I see in this scripture that I want to share, and we'll go home. Number one, I see Jesus to be compassionate. Number two, I see Jesus to be Emmanuel, which means God with us, the God that is in the midst of people. And three, Jesus is a sacrificial person. Compassion, he is with people. And he is willing to sacrifice. Somebody say, compassion. 
Come on, say compassion with me and sacrificial. In this story, verse 1, verse 40 of chapter 1 tells us as follows. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you're willing, make me clean. See, we read this scripture and because we're not in the context of scripture, because we are reading this from the outside in, we're just reading a narrative, a story. But this story comes alive the moment you get into the story and you read the story from the inside out. I read this and I'm getting a man with leprosy came to Jesus and begged him on his knees, if you want to, make me clean. But if you get in the picture, you're going to realize that according to the book of Leviticus, which was the book of rules and laws, chapter 13, chapter 14, what just happened here is wrong on so many levels. On so many levels. First of all, this man was a leper. And lepers in the Bible could not be around people who were not, who were not sick. Lepers in the Bible had to be castigated cast away, excluded from society because they had this thing called leper or leprosy, which was a contagious skin disease. But the Bible tells me that this man came to Jesus. Now, 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 I, I got to paint the picture so you can get it. Whenever a leper was anywhere in society, we're going to read the scripture in Leviticus in a minute, whenever a person who was with leprosy was walking any specific place, the law said, the law said, if I was a leper, I had, wherever I was walking, I had to scream out, unclean, 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 and everybody knew I had leper. It was the law. I had to do it. If I didn't do it, I would die. They'll stone me to death. I had to tell everybody I had leprosy. This man came to Jesus. But not only did he come to Jesus, he begged him. Sometimes we come to church and we demand from God. Sometimes we come to church with a spirit of God better do something for me because if you don't bless me today, I ain't coming to church no more. This guy had a problem. Everybody knew he had a problem. Everybody, because he had to tell everybody, unclean, I'm jacked up. Imagine, imagine, imagine if you had to say your sin everywhere you went. I'm a liar, I'm a liar, I'm a liar, I'm a liar, I'm a fornicator, I'm a fornicator. I like to hate on people, I'm a backstabber, I'm a betrayer. Imagine, imagine, imagine that. See, we, we could disguise our sins with a tie and a shirt and a nice, and a nice little blouse from, from, from H&M, and we could disguise our stuff, but some people have issues that you can't hide it. But that doesn't mean that you're better than them. Can I get a good amen? We got to be careful that as we start looking at the faults of others, we forget that if God was to put your mess on a screen, what, what would happen if your mess 
God puts it on the projector. Can you imagine every day? Unclean, 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 unclean. Everybody knew this man had a problem. But he decides to come to Jesus. My question to you is, who are you going to in your moments of your mess? Who are you going to? Who do you go to when you know that you got a problem, when you know that you got a weakness? That I've learned in my walk that the only one that can eradicate my circumstance, the only one that can change my problem is Jesus. And while people are going to lawyers and doctors and physicians, I am going to the foot of the Lord because I know that there's something about Jesus that he can take my pain and my hurt and my mess and turn it around. This guy said, I'm going to Jesus. And I'm going to go to Jesus even if along the way I have to tell everybody I'm jacked up. And when he came to Jesus, the first thing he did, he begged him. And he got on his knees. Now, to get on his knees, I don't know which one was harder, to stay unclean or to get on his knees. Because remember, he has leprosy. He has scabs. Matter of fact, the more deeper into leprosy, the more severe the leprosy was in a person's body, body parts starts falling off, ears, nose, fingers. His skin was alive, and he comes with his distorted self. And it's bad enough that he has to tell everybody he's got a problem. It's bad enough that everybody knows he's a mess. It's bad enough that he is begging, but on top of his begging, he takes a posture that says, oh, God, if I get on my knees, my skin is alive, and it might get corroded and messed up. He, he, he takes a posture of saying, even if it kills me, I need to come before the foot of the master that can change my life. This leper came to Jesus. He comes to Jesus. Now, where was Jesus when this story unfolded? Read verse 39. Look at what 39 says. It says, so he traveled through Galilee. Somebody say Galilee. Preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Got to understand this. Jesus just started preaching his ministry. Jesus, you know, he just started preaching his ministry. He's becoming famous. He's becoming popular. People beginning to invite him. Uh, at, at this time in Jesus' ministry, the Bible says he is preaching in their synagogues. What does that mean? That he's being invited to preach in churches and churches and churches. If Jesus were here today and if that story was, would come alive in the 21st century, he'd be preaching He'll be invited to pre preach at the Hillsong Church. He'll be invited to preach at Vu Church. He'll be invited to preach at Alabama. He was just preaching in Burdick's Church and, and New Birth Church. I mean, he would be preaching everywhere. Every, I mean, Jesus' ministry is taking off. Everybody is after Jesus. Why? Because he was teaching, and the Bible says he was casting out demons, and he was healing the sick, and he was healing the broken, and his ministry was taking off. And while his ministry is taking off, here comes a man with a problem. Now, not understand if I'd have been Jesus, and my ministry is rocking, everybody's inviting me to preach. I don't think a preacher like me would have had the time to, to get connected with a guy like that. 
because getting involved with this guy might have shut the doors of opportunity of going other places to speak at. Because this guy had a problem, and everybody knows he had a problem. Jesus' ministry was doing well, and while he's preaching and teaching and casting out devils, everybody loves Jesus. And it is right there at his highest moment that the leper says, if you want to, you could do this. It's right there. Not, not, not when he's rock bottom. Not when nobody knows him. He's at the apex of success. He's made it to the top. Everybody is go, Jesus, go, Jesus, go. And the leper says, if you want to, you could do it. If you want to, you can make me clean. He didn't ask him, can you make me clean? He knew Jesus had the power to make him clean. But he understands if you touch me, they might not invite you again. If you touch me, they might not ask you to go to that church again. If you touch me. The leper is telling Jesus, do whatever you want. As if to say, I submit my will to your will. And I'm going to make you my Lord. And whatever route you take, I am okay with that. Listen to me, church. There's a difference between pity and compassion. We cannot operate as a church as it pertains to pity. But we must operate as a church as it pertains to compassion. Jesus is moved to do something. Not out of pity. I mean, Deacon. Oh, you mean. Toma, mami, para que no moleste. Vete para allá. Oh, we should go help her. You know how you do when you're in the traffic light and the light is red and there's a guy with a sign. And oh. Right? And you got a $20 bill in your pocket and you're looking for pennies. Like, oh. Here, papito. Go, go, go get a lollipop. When Jesus saw this man, he wasn't moved by pity. He was moved by compassion. Now, what's the difference? What's the difference? Because this man expresses a reality to Jesus. I'm not interested in the problem of the man because the problem of the man is my problem. We're all jacked up. We're all sinners. We're all messed up. I want to know how Jesus is going to respond to the problem. I said, okay, what is Jesus going to do? Because Jesus' reaction to me is extremely important, is extremely paramount. And what does Jesus do? First thing he does, I told you he's compassionate. Second thing he does, he is Emmanuel. Jesus, which is Emmanuel, is God with us. Jesus, in verse 41, says, Jesus was indignant. Indignant. Indignant, you read in Spanish, it's compassion. Indignant is to be angry, to be upset. The question is, why is Jesus upset? His ministry is taking off. He's, he's, he's tanning it up from the flow up. I'm talking about he's doing great. He's preaching in every synagogue, casting out all demons. 
But when Jesus sees the leper, instead of having that ay bendito, he gets angry. Why doesn't he go, ay bendito, go papi, go, go, bendición. Why he doesn't do that? Why instead of having pity, he gets indignant, he gets angry. What does that mean? If we're going to be the church of Jesus Christ, we got to do away with pity. And we got to embrace compassion. Before I explain what indignant means, let me show you what Jesus did. Look what the Bible says. Verse 41, Jesus was indignant. Now, now, you can't, you can't say indignant. You got to show indignant. Right? If you're angry, you're like, you're like angry, angry. No, you show it. Jesus was indignant. And then he reached out his hand. So one, he's indignant. Two, he reaches his hand. Three, he touches him. See, we got, see, the church is, sometimes the church is full of people that all they do is reach hands and don't touch nobody. Oh, my God. We got to do something because the devil is a liar and we get indignant. Oh, God, Jesus, we got to do church. We gotta, and, and all you do is say stuff and you do Nothing. Jesus was indignant. He stretched out his hand. And he touched the man. And then he speaks. Look what it says. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, to be clean. Notice Jesus' order of handling this situation. First, Jesus does or acts, and then he speaks. Some of us, we're good talkers. We know what to say, when to say it. And we're good at talking, and we suck at doing it. We need people to go help reach the poor. Oh, pray, pastor, pastor, count on me, pastor. They come. You ain't there. We're going to buy this property get the homeless out of the street. Oh, praise the Lord. Amen. God is so good. You post it. You hashtag it. You put it on social media, and you don't give a penny. But Jesus spoke last, did first. He said, before, before I say anything else, I'm going to show him my actions. Because he's tired of hearing what the law says, and he's tired of hearing what Leviticus says, and he's tired of hearing you can't be with us. So before I tell him anything, I'm going to show him love before I tell him love. This is why the people don't want to go to church, because when they come to church, they're being told, don't do this, don't do that, do this, do that, do this, do that, do do this, do that. No, no, no. But we got to come to church that instead of telling them what to do, let's show them the love and the mercy and the grace of God. He got angry. Not at the, not at the guy who had leprosy. He was angry at the fact that no one was able to help him because he the law did not allow him to get close to anybody. So he says, I am willing to be clean. So he speaks last. He does first. 
Jesus always, when I look at Scripture, Jesus always did first, spoke second. You read the book of the God, you read uh, uh, the book of Acts, chapter one, verse one. Luke writes this to his friend Theophilus, and look what Luke says of Jesus. He says, chapter one, verse one, in my former book, which was a book, the Gospel according to Luke, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about the things that Jesus began to do. And teach. Notice how doing was before teaching. Luke is saying, this is what I learned about Jesus. Jesus always did first and taught later. He'll tell Peter, walk on water. Do it. And while he's drowning, then he teaches man of little faith. Jesus will break the bread and fishes, do first, then see miracles. If we're going to be like Jesus... And if we're going to act like Jesus, and if we're going to walk like Jesus, then we, then we got to become the church that does first, that loves first, that serves first, that welcomes first. And then teach later. This is why there's a problem with the church. This is why the church is declining. Because to come to a church, there's 1,017 rules to come to church. But we have to belong before we could believe. You have to make people feel part of you before they can believe. He was indignant. Listen to me, church. Not only did he have compassion, he was indignant. He was disgusted by the condition of this man. Because at the end of the day, Jesus realized he is not responsible for his sickness. This is not something you get genetically. This is something that you're just predisposed to. What disgusted Jesus was not the man. What disgusted Jesus was the fact that no one was able to help him because the law did not allow them to. And while everybody's flocking to see Jesus, and don't touch me, Jesus, he's upset. Like, all oh, you guys want to get that from me, but nobody ever cared about the guy. He's angry. Jesus know the rules of the Old Testament. I mean, he wrote them. Nobody qualified to touch this man. Nobody qualified. Nobody wanted to bear the consequences of being alongside this man, much less touch him. But Jesus looks at him and says, be healed. But before he says be healed, he touches him. Now, if I would have invited Jesus to preach in my church and I saw Jesus touch him, I would have called my secretary, Sonia, cancel Jesus. He, he can't come preach in my church no more. Jesus touches him. He touches him. Why did he touch him? Because he could. Because he wants to. Why does Jesus touch us? And why does Jesus want to touch you? Because he could. Because he's God. Because he's not intimidated by your mistakes. Because he's not intimidated by your shortcomings. Because he's not, he's not intimidated by the mess and how jacked up we are. The good thing about God, that our sin cannot dwindle God's holiness and God's power and God's grace. So God is not ashamed or embarrassed or intimidated by how messed up we are. It is in those moments that he highlights his glory. He touched this man because he was able to. 
Today, friend, the Lord wants to touch you because he could do it. He touched the leper. Nobody was able to touch him. Jesus touched him. Now he says, he says, he says, he says, I want to. Now in Jesus' mind, this is what's going through his mind. Leviticus chapter 13, verse 45, 46. This is what Jesus is going through. The Bible says, anyone with such a defiling disease, which is leper, must wear torn clothes, let their hair be unkept, cover the lower part of their face and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as they have the disease, they may remain unclean. They must live alone. They must, not, they must live outside the camp. Jesus says, I want to. But Jesus, but the law says, you, you, you can't do that. The law says he's supposed to be outside. The law says, but he says, I don't care about the law. I want to show compassion. And I want him to know that in his worst moments, I am right there. Now, why did Jesus touch him? touched him to restore the man's identity and the man's dignity because no one would dare touch this man nobody but when the Messiah touched him and when the Messiah embraced him he gave him back his sense of being he built up his esteem he gave him dignity he made him feel important again that's why, that's why in this life, you can't, I don't know how people live life without God. Because something about when God comes in your life, he gives you dignity, he gives you purpose, he gives you identity. You feel, wow, wow, look what the Lord has done. And that's what Jesus is focused on. He said, I know the Lord says don't touch him. But if I touch this man, I promise you, his life is going to be turned around. This guy's always hiding, running away, saying I'm unclean. But once I touch him, he's going to tell everybody, I met Jesus and he changed me and he saved me. Oh, God, if the church of Jesus were like that today. Who is Jesus? Compassion. Who is Jesus? Emmanuel. The God that is with us in our weakest moments. And third, who is Jesus? He is sacrificial. Why does he sacrifice? Because he's not afraid. Look what verse 43 and 45 says. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And Jesus tells him, go at once with this water. See that you don't tell no one about this, but go show yourself to the priest and offer sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing. As a testimony to them. Verse 45. Look, look at what happens. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. That's why I told you this, this story makes sense to me, reading it backwards. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Now, if Jesus is omniscient, which means that Jesus knows everything at all times, when this man came to Jesus, Jesus already knew he was going to be cast out. 
it, 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 it's like it's, if you know what's going to happen and you do what's going to happen and you get the results of what's happening is because you know when this man comes to Jesus and says if you want to you can make me clean at that moment he knew that if he touched him he was going to be cast away and even knowing that because Jesus is God even knowing that he says I do Jesus, they're not going to invite you to preach no more. You sure you want to do this? They're going to cast you out. You sure? Yep, I want to. He touches the man. What happened when Jesus touched the man? They traded places. Because the law said, if you are a leper, you had to shout unclean, and you had to live in the desert place. You had to live away from everybody. You had to live ostracized from everything. When Jesus says, I want to, he knew that they were going to castigate him and they were going to reject him. But he says, I am willing to be rejected so that this man could be accepted. And from the moment God touched this man, he went to the priest. He was telling everybody, everybody came to see Jesus. Yet Jesus is now cast away in isolation, separated, ostracized. So who is Jesus? This mystical deity that no one can touch? No. He is the God of the broken. He is the God of the hurting. He is the God of the marginalized. And he is looking at you with your leper, whatever it is. He's looking at me with my leper, whatever it is. And he is saying this, I want to. But before he says, I want to, he reaches his hand. He touches, I'm sorry to touch you. He touches. There's something about when Jesus touches us. There's something about when Jesus touches us. Because when he touches us, he reaffirms us. When he touches us, it doesn't matter what the, what the law says. When he touches us, it doesn't matter what people say. When he touches us, his touch is saying, you're still valuable even though you're broken. You're still valuable even though you're hurting. You still matter to me even though you're in pieces. So he says, before I tell you anything, I just want to touch you. We hope this message has inspired you. As a place of hope, our church is committed to reach our community. If you'd like more information about New Birth, visit our website at nbplaceofhope.com.